happy Easter, everybody. You guys good? You made it. You made it. How many of you have already consumed too much sugar over the last? Yeah, amen. I love it. That guy's wired right there. Hey, listen, if you can't tell, we are eat up with Jesus in this place, okay? We just believe that he has overcome, and we are just so, so eat up with him that we like to sing, celebrate, and and what have you. For those looking for seats, we have some on the front row. We call this the splash zone. This is like SeaWorld. You will get a poncho when you come forward and get ready to preach. But I know we got some folks out in the atrium, but it is a great day. We are glad that you guys are here. Thanks for your patience and in the parking lot and, and, and getting kids checked in. It's just awesome. Everybody got big lunch plans today? Awesome, awesome. I do too. I'm coming off this fast and preacher gonna go to town today. Just kidding, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not. So, uh, but we are honored to have you. Today, today is April Fool's Day. Yeah, did you know that? I, I, I was reminded when I woke up this morning that it was April Fool's Day. On this day in 1700, I did some research and English pranksters began popularizing this annual tradition of April Fool's Day by, by playing practical jokes on each other. And although the day is also called All Fool's Day, it, it's been celebrated for several centuries by, by, by different cultures and the exact origins of April Fool's Day still remain a, a mystery. Some historians speculate that April Fool's Day dates back to the year 1582. Was that the year that Columbus sailed the ocean blue? No, okay, yeah, you can tell what I struggled growing up in school, right? Just sounded like it rhymed with the song, I couldn't remember. But, but it dates back to maybe 1582 when France did something. They switched from the Julian calendar to the Gregorian calendar. How many of you knew that? See, preacher already taught you something this morning, amen, on Easter. They switched the calendar. The problem was some folks didn't get the news. They didn't get the memo. Maybe their hamlet was far removed from the big cities or, or what have you, but, but people were slow to get this news or, or they, many even failed to recognize that the start of the new year had taken place about three months earlier. And so they just continued to celebrate the new year that last week of March through the 1st of April. Isn't that something? As you can imagine, they became the butt of many jokes. <laughs> and people couldn't believe that they were still celebrating after the new year had turned about three months prior. You know, in our day and the times in which we live in, we, we know that people go to great lengths, don't they, to create April Fool's Day hoaxes, don't they? Right? Some of you probably have already done something a little mischievous this morning, haven't you? We know that newspapers and radio and TV stations and websites have, have participated in this April 1st tradition of reporting outrageous fictional claims that have fooled their audiences for a long time. In fact, to me, it seems like with the media that April Fool's Day is like every day at these outrageous fictional claims that they make sometimes. You may know what I'm talking about. I was reading about how in 1957, I wasn't born then, depending on what you believe, but in the, the BBC reported that Swiss farmers were experiencing a record spaghetti crop, and they showed footage of people harvesting noodles from trees. Now, that'll sink in for some of you here in a little while. 
In, in 1985, Sports Illustrated ran a, 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 an article. They tricked many of its readers when they made up this article about a, a rookie pitcher by the name of, of Sid Finch who could throw a fastball over 168 miles per hour. Yeah, no, no chance of hitting that, but how would you like to be the catcher that catches that one, you know? In, in, in 1996, this place that many of you will probably be eating lunch when we're finished here, Taco Bell, the, the, the fast food restaurant chain. They, they, they duped people when they announced that they had agreed to purchase Philadelphia's Liberty Bell. And they intended to rename it the Taco Liberty Bell. In 1998, after Burger King announced a left-handed Whopper, Scores of clueless customers showed up for that fake sandwich. Any left-handed people in the house today? Wouldn't you love a left-handed Whopper? How many of you have participated in April Fool's jokes before? Yeah, how many of you have been the recipient of a prank or a hoax before, right? Hey, this is really interesting. And I know that we've got an online audience that's watching us uh, right now, but, but I actually, uh, I, I got a, a note from someone that's, that's watching in a, in, a, in a different country, a foreign land, Canada. And um, <laughs> you know, there are friendly neighbors to the north, right? What up, Squamish? Glad you guys are tuning in today, but I love this. I, I love this. Here, here's what it says. It says, waking up screaming and crying at 5.30 a.m. because your brothers have drawn a mustache in Sharpie on your upper lip and you've run into the saran wrap that they've covered your parents' door with on your way to come tell them. That's pretty cool, isn't it? You know you like that. Some of y'all are going to practice. Listen, the day's still young. It is April Fool's all day. All day. But you know, today is also another day, isn't it? Today is the day that we know as Easter. Some people call it Resurrection Sunday. Every Sunday here at 1910 is a Resurrection Sunday. We, we celebrate 52 of them, but... But today is the day that, that, that we've set aside around the world uh, to celebrate Easter. And Easter also brings with it history and, and many celebrations. There will be a bunny probably somewhere loosed around our community today, right? There will be colored eggs that will be hidden and hunted by, by kids. And, and I just want to encourage adults to hunt some eggs too. Why, why should the kids, listen, we, we, we take ourselves too seriously. Somebody hunt some eggs, find you something. I love those candy eggs. There will be many of those that will be devoured, right? There'll be new clothes that many of you bought, you purchased and you, you walked in here and you look incredible, killer. That's what I love about this church, man. We, we, y'all look good. And most of you smell nice today too. Thank you. Thank you. There'll be Easter lilies that many will purchase to, to decorate their homes. There will be photos of kids in those ant infested blue bonnet patches. And sometimes we take those pictures on the interstate where people are driving 80 miles per hour. I don't get it. 
You have to wear a seatbelt in a car, but you can let your banshee run loose on the interstate in a blue bonnet patch. What's the deal with that, right? Wow. And of course, my favorite childhood memory was, was purchasing that color-dyed baby chick from the local feed store. You may know what I'm talking about. Praise God for tractor supply and all those little baby chicks that have been tortured under the spray tan of purple and green and orange and it's awesome. Easter, Easter, but you know that Easter's more than those things, right? You, you know that Easter is not about brightly colored eggs or, or wearing pastels or, or enjoying a big meal, although those things might be a part of your celebrations today. Some are at the coast and they're fishing and camping and we say, hey, to you guys, we're sorry you missed it, but today we gave everyone that's live a free three-day cruise to the Bahamas. And we're sorry y'all missed it, but enjoy the redfish. <laughs> Easter's about so many things, isn't it? E e Easter is, 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 brings back so many memories. And, and as I was thinking about Easter and how it falls this year on, on, on April Fool's Day, I, I began to read and think about this Easter story from a, from a different perspective. And in a sense, I think Easter is about one of the greatest practical jokes ever pulled. Think about it. I mean, think about it. The enemy thought he had won. He thought he had conquered his arch rival, his arch nemesis. Man, he was in for surprise, wasn't he? I've entitled today's sermon, No Joke, He Woke. Because the joke's on the enemy today. What he thought he had done to accomplish victory once and for all, oh, the Lord had other plans. Come on, somebody. And so when I think about Easter, you need to know what Easter really is about. It's about the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And that's why we've gathered here today to celebrate that and to lift high the name of the King who is no longer dead and buried in a grave, but he is loosed on this earth. And check this out, he's in some of y'all, isn't he? Some of y'all eat up with Jesus, he's in you. He's in you. You see, the devil had finally managed to get Jesus crucified. And when he did, he thought he had won this great victory. He believed that he had destroyed the only person that could destroy his power. You know that from the very beginning, Satan's had an ego issue. You know, he once was one of the angelic beings in heaven, but yet he became a little arrogant and a little power hungry even there and thus banished and kicked out of that heavenly home and loosed in other realms. But he's always been about power. He's always wanted to be the one that held the authority. And he thought that during the crucifixion, that with Jesus dead and gone, he thought once and for all, I will be the one to possess all of the power. I mean, God only had one son, didn't he? And it was this one son was destroyed, then God's last option for victory would be gone forever. Ah, but the joke 
was on him, wasn't it? Look what it says in Luke chapter 24. It says, but very early on Sunday morning, the women went to the tomb taking the spices they had prepared. It was custom to go and prepare the dead body and prepare it well. These women went, and I don't know if they had had experience doing this before. I don't know if this was their first time, but, but nonetheless, they go and they prepare the body of Jesus Christ that laid buried in a grave. And when they arrived at the tomb, they found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. And so they went in, but they didn't find the body of the Lord Jesus. And as they stood there puzzled, two men suddenly appeared to them clothed in dazzling robes. The women were terrified and and they bowed with their faces to the ground. And when the men asked, why are you looking among the dead for someone who is alive? He isn't here. He's risen from the dead. Remember what he told you back in Galilee, that the son of man must be betrayed into the hands of sinful men and will be crucified and that he would rise again on the third day. Oh. And the lights went off for them. Scripture says, then they remembered that he had said this. Lord, I pray that today you would be honored and glorified as we look at your story. The story that you created and gave to us. This real life drama that played out. And Lord, I pray that it would not just be a a revisit of a story that we've heard for so many years, but today it would resonate in a new, fresh way. And it would change us. All for your glory. Amen. And you know, I, I don't know about you, but, but I've heard this story for a long time. And for some of us in this room, this is not the first time we've read this story and we've heard about the resurrection, but in a room this size, or even with people that are watching online, they're, they're, for some of you, this, this story still might be new or fresh. For, for some of us, it's easy for us to accept this story because of our faith. For some, there may be some listening today that are still kind of a skeptic as to whether or not this really could play out. I mean, listen, the story of the resurrection is pretty shocking, isn't it? I mean, can anyone else give a witness as to having experienced this personally in your life? You ever been to a cemetery or a funeral home and and you've seen a a dead person come back to life? Anybody? Probably not, right? And and, and just as they were puzzled and confused and maybe dazed initially, that would probably be, I would probably use some other adjectives to describe my reaction, but I'm in church and I can't say them, okay? But this is a pretty shocking story, isn't it? And we could sit here today and, and debate for hours and I could, could all around this room and on the walls and kind of chart it out and, and share with you some things that prove the resurrection. And, 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 but, but we don't have time for that because Taco Bell and Burger King wait for us. But, 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 but there's some pretty shocking confirmations briefly that I just want to hit before we, we move forward. I mean, the, the, the body's gone. It's missing They can't find it. Even the the Roman authorities who were responsible for for the death of Jesus and and responsible for for burying him, they had no answer for for where his body had gone. They they lost it. They couldn't find it. 
And, and, and you need to know that, that, that they went to great extremes to make sure that, that none of his followers would come and steal that body. Remember what it, <clears throat> excuse me. <clears throat> Remember what they did? Remember the, 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 the steps they took to, to make sure no one stole that body? They, they, they rolled this huge stone in front of the entrance to this cave. This cave was etched out and carved in the side of a, of a rock mountain. And I don't recall, I've never heard another story in which they rolled such a massive stone or boulder in front blocking the entrance of a dead man's grave. But, but this was something that not one man or, or two men could even move. In fact, not only that, they reinforced their plan by, by having armed guards stand outside of this tomb. Remember that? So there, there, there's no possible way that somebody could have snuck in, overtaken those guards, pushed this massive stone away, on, and for them to say, man, we don't know where this body is. We can't, we can't find it. When I think about also the, the, the eyewitness accounts of people, that after Jesus rose from the grave, these eyewitnesses that said, hey, you know what? I, I saw Jesus. I was on the road and, and, and I saw him. Sometimes he, he spoke to these people. All the time he spoke to these people. Sometimes he cooked breakfast or shared a meal with people. Some 100 different appearances after his death and burial. Over the course of 40 days, he came back and, and there are eyewitnesses that bear witness that, hey, I saw him alive. He was dead, but I mean, we could talk about that. I mean, we, we could even talk about crucifixion today and, and, and how no one survives crucifixion. It was the cruelest, harshest, most excruciating way to die in, in the Roman uh, culture. And, and they stayed there at crucifixion until the person being crucified breathed their last breath. In fact, with Jesus, just to make doubly sure that he was dead, you remember what scripture says, those of you that know the story, there was a soldier that took his spear and jabbed it into the side of his abdomen, exposing it and opening up, draining any fluid that remained within his body. He was doubly dead. And, and, and this Roman officer that was probably responsible that day, he was probably the man in charge of the crucifixion. I love what scripture says. Scripture says that, that upon seeing him die, this mighty Roman centurion made this declaration. Upon seeing him die, he said, surely he was the son of God. So listen, make no mistake about it. Jesus died he, he was dead. He was buried in a grave. It was sealed closed by a large stone, a rock, with armed guards outside. It's a pretty shocking story, isn't it? And as I think about that story and the shock and awe of it all, because I've never seen anything like that before. I mean, I've seen people healed before, but I've never seen a dead person rise. It's just shocking to me that that, that, that statement that dead people cannot make themselves alive. In fact, no one, no one can bring something that is dead back to life. That is no one except for God. God can do that. Because you see, with God, all things are possible. Aren't you thankful for that? In fact, that might just be the word for someone in this room or watching online this Easter. 
That no matter how helpless or hopeless your situation looks, you need to hang on and you need to trust and believe that with God, all things are possible. He proved it by resurrecting Jesus. That's exactly what God does. (laughs) You know, to us, death seems so cruel. It seems so harsh. It is so final. Probably every one of us listening today have, have experienced death on some level, haven't we? A loved one, maybe a close friend, a classmate, a colleague, what have you. We've, we've all experienced that. And we know that it's cruel and it's harsh and it's so, so final. That must have been what the disciples were feeling. When, when, when they saw their Lord, whom they had left everything to follow, when they saw him hanging on the cross, that, that they were devastated. That, the death had crushed them. But if they would just pause for a moment and just go back in their mind, if they could go back in those memories and if they could recall a, an important event and an important statement that Jesus had made just a brief time before, they would have remembered Jesus standing at the tomb of his close friend, Lazarus. And they would have remembered that that Jesus did something at the tomb of Lazarus completely unexpected. You know what he did? He wept. John chapter 11 says that Jesus wept. Now, I don't know if at the tomb of Lazarus at that point in their relationship, if these disciples had ever seen Jesus cry. We know that they would see Jesus cry later as he wept over the city of Jerusalem before he made his final entrance into that city for his death. But I don't know, but Jesus wept at the tomb of Lazarus. You know why Jesus wept? Jesus wept because he knew that death was not a part of God's original plan. Did you know that? Death was not a part of God's original plan. You see, there was a time and place in all of creation, in all of history, where things were set proper and in place. There was no pain, no anguish. There was no starvation. There was no poverty. There was no race relations. There was no one who went without. There was was no sorrow. It It was right, it was perfect, and it was set in place. You see, humanity was never meant to grow old. Humanity was never meant to to suffer with disease or to die. But something happened in the perfection of everything. There's something that crept into creation called sin. And it was because of that sin of Adam and Eve, sin entered the human race and with it, death began to follow sin. And you need to know that death has spread to all of us, hasn't it? Sin has spread to all of us. And I believe that as Jesus stood there in John chapter 11 at the tomb of his friend Lazarus, he wept because it broke his heart. Those of you that might be familiar with the story, you know that that standing there at Lazarus' tomb, though Jesus also delivered some hope filled words that day. 
that those that were present and those that had gathered, Lazarus' sisters and family and, and friends and, and even some of Jesus' followers. Listen, Jesus shares these words with him in John chapter 11. He says these words that just might be a word of encouragement for you listening today. Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. You see, death is not the end, is it? It's not for the believer. And the resurrection of Jesus Christ proves it to us. You know, there are so many of us in this room listening today that are searching for what life is all about. And so many of us spend enormous amounts of our time chasing after things that I would say are fleeting. They, they, they might satisfy, they might meet a need in our lives for just a brief moment of time. Some of these things cost a lot of money. Some of them require a lot of time, effort, and energy. Whether that be, hey, I want relationships. I'm, I'm gonna spend enormous amounts of time on, on social media just to get people to thumbs up and like me, right? And so many people are starving for relationship. I just want somebody to love me. I, 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 I want the bigger house or, or, hey, I want to be known or, hey, I wanna leave a mark. Somehow. But listen, we're all, there's so many people in our culture today that are chasing after so, so many things. We're looking for, for life and what it's all about in so many places. I was just visiting with someone this week and, and, and I think I do, I am getting this right in, in, in history about St. Augustine, Florida. Is that not where the Fountain of Youth supposedly was? Yeah, okay. I was visiting, see, I'm not a complete moron. I get 50-50, right? In baseball, that's Hall of Fame, isn't it? So uh, anyway, but people are searching for life. What's it all about? Where can I find it? And can I tell you today, I'm glad you're listening. I'm glad you're tuned in. You're here today because Jesus woke, you can also. And this idea of you trying to find life and figure it out, I'm telling you, your, your search can end today and you can find hope in the only one that can give it to you. You see, that's what the resurrection is all about. It's about life. And you need to know that resurrection is the only means for you to have life. That's what God wants to do for you. That, that, that was his first priority. Just three months ago, we did celebrate the birth of Jesus Another holiday that's known as great. You guys didn't get that over here for some reason. It's Christmas, remember that? It's the birth of Jesus. God sending his son born in the flesh who became a human and he walked and talked. He enjoyed this earth. He developed relationships. And for 33 years, he lived here. But his sole purpose of being born was to die. Why? So that you wouldn't have to. So that you could experience this thing called abundant life here on earth, but eternal life one day in glory. That's why Jesus came to earth. He had to. Because you see, every one of us listening here today, we have something in common, and that's this thing called death. Every one of us will die. Isn't that an encouraging Easter sermon for you today? You're going to die. We should have gone to the other church today, you know? But we all have that in common. In fact, you know that in a room and people listening, you know that there are some people listening to this message right now that are dead right now. You're dead inside. There's no life. 
Oh yeah, you're breathing and you're upright and you're here today, and, and, but, but you're, 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 you're not alive inside spiritually. There, there are also some people in this room today that once were dead, but they've been resurrected and restored. Anybody? They've been brought back to life. You see, that's what Jesus does. Jesus resurrects. Jesus restores. You need to know that Jesus is in the restoring business. And it took his hands being stained with his own blood to, to, to make his restoring work possible. And I don't think Jesus regrets restoration. I don't think Jesus, in fact, I think that Jesus, as he looks out at the countless scarred and undervalued lives that, that, that he has restored, I think, I think I know what Jesus is saying. I believe that he's saying, oh, I love doing this. I love doing this. And I would do it for you today, dead person, so that you could have life. Mm. There's a simple five-word promise that Jesus made that, that just might mark for you this Easter. The possibility of a fresh start, of a new start. The, the, these fi this five-word promise might, might just be what you need to bring you back to life. And that promise is found in the Word of God, Revelation chapter 21. It says this, five words, I am making everything new. I am making everything new. Did you get that? Everything new. And that might just be exactly the kind of miracle you need right now. Because some of our lives might just be like that old piece of office furniture that we've received that needs to somehow be restored. Or maybe like that old car that needs to be resurrected. Some of our lives have, have been pretty beat up. We're scarred. And some of you this morning, maybe, maybe you're deeply scarred. You, you, you feel broken. Maybe you walked into this room and it's supposed to be exciting and people are dancing and lights are great. And, and, and somehow deep down inside, if you're gut honest, you just kind of still feel useless. And you're still trying to answer that question that's been haunting you for, for so long. Why am I here? What's my purpose? For others in this room, maybe today you're carrying a lot of regrets over things that, that well, you wish you had done differently in life. You ever wish you could have a do-over? Maybe you carry a lot of pain from things that, that have been done to you or maybe even some of these things that you've done to others. That's why I'm glad you're here today and you're listening because right with you today stands this resurrected Jesus. He's the one who makes all things new. And he makes all things new, but it, it comes at a very high price to him, not to you. But it cost him greatly to restore things. In fact, I don't know if you remember, but he said at the Last Supper, before he would be arrested and the events of the crucifixion would begin to take place, Jesus had a, a Last Supper with his disciples. And we're told that, that after they had eaten a meal, Jesus took a loaf of bread and he broke it and he handed it to his followers. And he said these words to them, this is my body, which is given for you. You see, Jesus was broken so that you could be fixed. Did you catch that? 
Jesus' body became broken so that you could be fixed. He, he paid for your sin on the cross so that you wouldn't have to. You see, that's what's happening when, when he died this horrific death on the cross. And, and here's what else was happening. In his dying for your sin and then coming out, waking from that grave, you know what he did? He broke the power of that thing that ultimately causes all those scars and hurts and regrets that many of us carry in our lives. That, 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 that spiritual cancer called sin, he broke that. And with hands that bear nail prints, from the sacrifice that he made for you. You know what he's doing with those hands? He's reaching out to you. And he says these words, I make everything new. Wouldn't you like to be made new? Don't you just love something that's new? There's that potential for every one of us today. In fact, I love the promise of the Bible in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. It says this, anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. Can I just tell you today that could be you. It could be made new. You could, you could have walked in here one way, but you could leave here completely transformed, changed, and new. I, I, I love the Bible. I don't, anybody read the Bible? Is it just me? Okay. I, I love the promises and the things that I find in the Bible. They're so encouraging. The Bible says things like, he will restore for you what sin has taken. It says things like, he will bind up the brokenhearted. He'll release the prisoner from darkness. He'll, he, he will bring beauty from the ashes. He, he'll turn a spirit of despair into a garment of praise. That's what he does. Wouldn't you love to be made new and restored? He can do that for you. I want to ask you to stand with me this morning and you just bow your head and close your eyes for just a few moments. I, listen, you don't have to be defined any longer by your past. Those regrets, those things that you've done, you, you, you can now be defined by the one who you belong to, Jesus Christ. The Lord of Lords, the King of Kings. And listen, your, your new life, your life-changing relationship with him, this, this new defining of you can begin today. In fact, it, it can begin when you, when you come to him with these words. And if you're longing for that new life today, maybe, maybe you'll just repeat these words today after me. Those of you that are longing for that, may, just say, hey, hey, Jesus, you're my only hope. Just tell him that. Jesus. You're my only hope. And you died for me. I know that. Would you forgive me? Would you change me? And Jesus, I'm yours. Jesus, you're my only hope. You died for me. And 
Lord, today would you forgive me and would you change me? And, and today I give my life to you. I'm yours. And can I just tell you that because Jesus is the master restorer, your life doesn't have to be more of what it's been for so long. It can be changed. You see, that's what he does. He makes all things new. And right now he's waiting to do that for you. You see, for those of you that have put your faith in Christ, what Easter means is that you will live with him forever in the presence of God. For those that have placed your faith and life in Jesus Christ, what Easter does is it, it brings hope to the person who has been devastated by death. You see, we needed a savior to resurrect because resurrection is the only way that you can have life. And today is a resurrection day for you. In fact, here, here's what I wanna do. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I wanna, I wanna stand down front here on the floor and I wanna ask those of you that are here today, maybe you prayed that prayer with me. And today would be the day you say, Jason, listen, I want this new life. I wanna give my life to Jesus Christ today. If that's you, I want you to come down front and join me down front. I'm standing here, you're not gonna be alone. You come stand with me, all right? If that's you today, J Jason, I wanna give my life to Jesus Christ. I, I just prayed that prayer. Jesus, you're my only hope. You died for my sins. Will you forgive me? Will you change me? Today I'm yours, Jesus. If you prayed that, would you just come join me down front? Because it's really awkward by myself down here. But if you prayed that, and if today's the day you say, I want this new life, I want this resurrected life. I no longer wanna be defined by my past, my sin or my regrets. Today I'm giving my life to Jesus Christ. I'm gonna stand right here and wait for you. If that's you, you come, you come. Come on, come stand with me. Come stand with me. Anybody else today? Jesus, I give my life to you. Come on. I'm giving my life to you. I, I'm tired of being defined by my past and who I was. Jesus, you're my only hope today. You need to make me new. I'm giving you my life. I want you guys to look at me real quick. What you're doing is the greatest decision you'll ever make. Oh my goodness, more of where am I gonna go to college and what's my career gonna be or who am I gonna marry? You guys are good looking, all of y'all. Y'all are gonna get married one day, I know that more than what job I'm gonna have, where I'm gonna live, what you're making today, this decision to let Jesus come in is the greatest decision ever. It's awesome. And here's the deal. There's some people behind me that I know are really excited for you. And they're about to celebrate and clap and holler. And I want you, here's what I want you guys to do. This is Pastor Jen. I want you to follow Pastor Jen. She's gonna give you guys some things to help you with your decision. Hey, parents, listen, we're going to the church office. If you're a parent and wanna go with your, your student, feel free to come. But hey, can we just celebrate right now that there have been three that said yes to Jesus this morning. Come on. The enemy is so mad right now, the joke's on him. He thought he'd won, but Christ rose from the grave. And there's some dead people that are now walking. Woo! They've been brought back to life. Amen.